Are you confused about real food and what's healthy and good for the planet? Do you need the facts about local, organic, and sustainable food? Well, get ready to change the way you eat. Get ready for The Appropriate Omnivore with Aaron Zober. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Appropriate Omnivore. I'm your host, Aaron Zober, covering lifestyles in the world of real food. This is the second podcast during the COVID-19 pandemic. As my podcasts are typically recorded over the phone, it's fortunately something I can still do in these times of social distancing. In a minute, I'll bring out Mac Anderson, a co-founder of Cleveland Kitchen, formerly known as Cleveland Kraut. He's on the team of a wonderful fermentation business based out of my hometown. They traditionally have been known for sauerkrauts, but have recently expanded into a fermented salad dressing line. Mac will give us a perspective of what it's like running a food business during the pandemic. So let's connect in now with Mac in the Cleveland Kitchen facilities in the home of rock and roll. Mac, it's great to have you here. Hey, Aaron. Great to be here. Times are definitely different, but glad we could connect you today. It's wonderful we're able to connect because we've seen each other a number of times at different shows, and I know we've always talked about doing an interview, so glad we're finally able to do it. We'll definitely miss being out on the show floor at Expo West and now Expo East, but it's always great to connect with you and kind of share what we're up to. And you're well aware that we've now transitioned to Cleveland Kitchen, which is really exciting. We'll dive into that and what it's meant for our brand. Yes, we'd love to hear about the brand and about how it's operating during these times. But first, let's just get a little introduction of how the whole business came about when it was first Cleveland Kraut. Being from the east side of Cleveland, uh, my mother actually founded the North Union Farmer's Market. Um, So it was the first producer-only farmer's market here in Cleveland, uh, operating first at Shaker Square in 1995, and now she's got 14 throughout the season. At four years old, child labor laws aside, I was out there schlepping produce and helping out at the market. It was our first kind of job in middle school through high school was being a market manager, and so as we grew up and assumed that role, my brother and I both would always take notes of the new brands that were coming into market, how they were positioning themselves. Some would fizzle out after a year or two, and others would you know, do a dynamo business, present a really great product, have a great story, great marketing pitch, and actually end up making it to grocery store sales. So that was always in the back of our head. My brother actually graduated from Cleveland State University with a degree in statistics and went into banking in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, He could get great barbecue, really good soul food, but he couldn't quite get that traditional Cleveland fare, your kibasi, pierogi, and sauerkraut. So he actually Mm -hmm. took to making all those things on his own and fell in love with the art of fermentation and taught me. I was at uh, Miami University studying economics, and he taught me how to ferment, so I was doing that in my house and my friends and roommates were wondering what the heck I was making and what was bubbling away in the kitchen. But come barbecue season, uh, they really, really loved it and then understood all the great health benefits. So that kind of clued us in. My brother moved back to Cleveland to take a job with Key Bank here. And uh, the first time he was having a beer with our now brother-in-law, my sister's fiance at the time, we found out that he was also fermenting sauerkraut to get in touch with his German and Croatian heritage. So we kind of thought, okay, this is weird. 320-somethings making sauerkraut, and we knew we had the market as a low-risk way to test the idea in the business. So that's where we started. I was in finance for a 
large law firm and thinking about getting a JD. My brother was a VP at Key Bank, and our brother-in-law was an architect, and we'd leave our office at 7 p.m. each night on the weekdays and work till 2 in the morning in the kitchen and then sell on weekends. And what was really encouraging was not only were consumers buying it week to week and more and, and coming back, but the usage occasions that they were telling us, it was going beyond just a hot dog or a bratwurst. It was actually expanding into you know a fresh topper for your salads or avocado toast and more and more just as a fresh, crunchy, fermented vegetable. And then, as you're well aware, Cleveland has a great food scene. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the local chefs were coming in and purchasing it from us right at the market. So we figured we had something. And uh, after about a year and a half of iteration and nailing everything down, we launched into our local retailer, Heinen's, and all quit our jobs. And that was the end of 2015. Today, we're the number one refrigerated premium sauerkraut in the nation. We're in about 8,000 stores nationwide. Yeah, that's been the story. It's been a real fermented path. A lot of things in that story that I can identify with from my love of sauerkraut to also being nostalgic as I'm originally from Cleveland, lived there pretty much until after high school. And so I love that you say names like Heinen's and Keep Hank, that brings back a lot of memories. But also your story of working at the farmer's market, that's very similar to what I do with my blog as far as keeping track of these new natural food companies. And then when I write these articles, learning all about their story, about how it got started. And also when I bring them on my podcast, I always like to have people tell their story about how this was made. Yeah, the farmer's market, is a, it's a really excellent, I always recommend um, kind of emerging, especially in food CPG brands, to seek out their local market and try and get a booth because you're going to get immediate consumer feedback that's actually giving you cash flow and super actionable insights. And it does tie you into the chef and food maker community. So, you know, big recommendation of ours is to always get after those farmers markets. You know, we still actually, uh, I've got a team out at the Cleveland Clinic market today, obviously masked up and distanced and no samples, but it is an essential business and uh, a great way for folks to get fresh local produce. It's been an integral part of our marketing and allows us to get great direct feedback week to week. So definitely recommend uh, not only checking out your local farmers market, but if, if you're an emerging maker, get out there and start having those conversations and selling. Yes, I was going to ask if you're still in farmer's markets. And I do find with a lot of artisan makers that have gone national that a lot of them did start at farmer's markets, especially in the world of ferments. I think of sauerkraut and kombucha that so many of those, that's where they started was simply selling in farmer's markets and people like them. There's demand. So then the supermarkets want to pick it up. Exactly. And Whole Foods and every local kind of very much pays attention to who's at those markets, but Whole Foods also... You know, they do a huge local forager uh, focus and they actually have, you know, in a lot of their key cities, they'll send out their team members to see what's trending, to see if they can find new items. And uh, it's really a great place to see emerging trends and keep your finger on the pulse of natural foods. I like that a lot about Whole Foods, that they do have more of a focus than other stores very much on local businesses. And a lot of them, they start in the local Whole Foods and then they go national they're great partners and we're among one of those great kind of case studies where we did start in our local Cleveland Whole Foods and now we're a national global brand with them. So definitely a fantastic partner, super willing and ready to work with you. And I think the rest of the industry has definitely caught up and understands that a lot of this innovation and things that consumers are looking for does, in fact, emerge out of smaller emerging companies. So a lot of retail partners we're seeing are being a lot better about incubating that incremental innovation. 
And you talked earlier about how you found that with sauerkraut, there was also a use for it in salads, and that's kind of what turned it into Cleveland Kitchen. And I find this interesting that I see with a lot of different companies that often the next area they go in is into condiments and salad dressings, things of that variety. And it's often companies that were doing something completely different. Another one I think of is the New Primal. They were mainly known for making beef jerky and beef sticks. And they actually felt like an area that they wanted to go into next was doing different sauces, salad dressings, condiments. They just recently released a whole line of that. Do you think part of it is that the reason that all these companies from different areas that may be very different than salad dressings before that, do you think part of the reason that so many companies are going into salad dressing is that it's still a largely untapped area of the natural foods world? Well, speaking specifically to the new Primal, they're great friends of mine and a really stellar brand. And they're, you know, they definitely obviously started out in meat snacks, but their whole kind of community and brand platform revolves around paleo eating style. And I think for them, centering around the table and food, they wanted to create a line that did introduce kind of a lot of favorite condiments and and now dressings uh, to that paleo lifestyle. For us, uh, it was a little bit different how we landed here. We did see the immediate tie-in as a fresh, crunchy vegetable Uh, I personally, as you know, I do all of our sales calls and lead marketing, but I haven't taken a meeting in conventional outside of the produce department in about a year and a half because, you know, we do position ourselves with that fresh, crunchy vegetable and we do go beyond just the meat department once a year hot dog. So we make sure that we're landing in those vegan assortments where we can get in front of all varying diets, not only the paleo and the flexitarians, but the vegans and the plant-based. And if you're a home chef, who is definitely a target demographic for us, you're going to be shopping produce no matter what, because you're seeking fresh, great ingredients. And then another tie-in with Whole Foods Mid-Atlantic, our home region, we actually are on every single salad bar back when salad bars did exist before COVID, uh, as well as sprouts. They have a few flavors on every single salad bar when they're open because it is such a great fresh addition to get crunchy, fresh vegetables. Uh, and when we were thinking about our mission is to create delicious fermented foods that make it easier in the American diet. You see Asia and Europe, you know, it's an everyday usage is fermented vegetables and it's so good for your overall health and it's got such depth of flavor. You know, we wanted to bring a little bit of that to the United States. And so as we thought about how we could best create a vehicle to introduce fermented vegetables into the diet, we actually landed on the fact that we kick off crowd juice and we also created a proprietary way to blend up fermented veggies. So it creates this delicious, creamy, and thick base for our dressings that is actually very low calorie. So the refrigerated dressing space is obviously, it's a huge growth factor for dressings as a whole. The category is far bigger than sauerkraut itself, and it plays directly into our produce strategy. So that's where we came from it for, but ours are the first of their kind, you know, totally fermented, uh, very low calorie, despite being very full bodied and creamy. Uh, they are extremely delicious with that depth of flavor from fermentation. So I'm not sure if it's the new space to be in. I still think snacks, bars and beverages are typically where folks tend to go towards. But, uh, you know, there's some great examples of really cool companies who are playing in the space. And we saw it as a fantastic opportunity to not only deliver fresh fermented veggies, but also to deliver that horrible, uh, 
enjoyable form that can be used as, as marinades, as dressings, as dip, and so many more usage occasions. So that's kind of the impetus for us to expand in that sense. A thing that I like about it in terms of mixing sauerkraut with dressings is, and you talk about refrigerated dressings specifically, if you look back to the origin of salad dressing, most likely it was closer to this because it wasn't until pretty recent times the invention of this pasteurized distilled vinegar where you could make dressings shelf-stable. So most likely the first salad dressings were done by true fermentation and needed to be refrigerated right away. Totally. Fermentation is actually obviously one of our oldest food technologies. It's the way to preserve the harvest. Thousands and thousands of years ago, farmers from every culture would harvest and sell their harvest, but they'd have, you know, the leftovers for their family. And to make it through the winter and the hard season, they basically put it in big crocks, ferment it, and eat at it throughout the season so they can get their nutritional benefit from that. So most hot sauces, it's kind of unknown, but even Frank's Red Hot starts as a fermented product. It's just a really great way to preserve and blend flavors. And we're super proud to be that leading fermented platform today. Wonderful. And like we were saying, it's still a relatively new thing, even in the natural foods world. The other focus is more on things like bars and sticks, but there are some other dressings just in the general refrigerated dressing world and then in the natural foods world. So what would you say makes your dressings unique from other salad dressings? Just like that, it's fermented. It is the first of its kind, truly fermented vegetable dressing brings a ton of gut benefits but it's also again you know we're about a fourth of the caloric value of even such players as primal kitchen or tessa maize we actually are a low calorie food so while you get that great body great creamy texture uh, you walk away feeling very light and refreshed because it's only about 35 to 40 calories per serving and this current line we are releasing a new skew towards the end of the year that can't talk about yet is everything that we currently have is plant-based and dairy-free. So definitely opens a lot of these items up to more of the population that as we see increasing flexitarians and folks identifying as plant-based or vegan, this allows them to get all that great creamy rich flavor without sacrificing their values. I think that is a wonderful thing about the overall concept of lacto-fermentation in products like sauerkraut and kombucha is it really appeals to a lot of different dietary groups. Because like we were talking earlier about how Primal, their focus is mainly paleo. And I have heard them say that actually part of their reason for getting into the sauces was to also conquer the people who are more interested in eating plants. But I think that's a wonderful thing that things such as sauerkraut and kombucha, they can market as both paleo and vegan. I think that's a pretty amazing feat. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to good, clean product. You know, we definitely have a very large contingent in myself. I am an omnivore. I eat everything. But, you know, obviously, I'm not going to say that our crowd isn't the best thing. You're going to be able to throw in a hot dog or a bratwurst. But especially these days, for those that are plant-based, their options are just increasing by the day. You can have a great Beyond sausage or an impossible burger or some great chicken alternative and you can really do everything that a carnivore and omnivore might do in terms of flavor and texture so you know we definitely play across all diets but 
ours is very much a multifaceted use, and we do see great contingents of both of those. And we are also now with the huge emerging trend of keto, we're also keto-friendly. So it's kind of a wonder product and a great place to be in. You were talking earlier about your German heritage, and also you're talking about both love of both meats and plants. And going with the whole German culture, my understanding of actually a reason that a lot of times sauerkraut was eaten and like placed on a bratwurst was it makes it easier to digest these smoked meats if you have it with some kind of fermented vegetable and without eating it that then you can get into some of the problems of like the carcinogens of the smoked meats if there isn't a thing such as sauerkraut served with it. It's a great addition to any meal just to help digest and again what good live probiotics will do in your gut is they also aid in the absorption of nutrients the key enzymes that help further break down that food so you get a lot more benefit from everything you're eating so it's definitely a way to cut the heaviness even iron chef michael simon's been a fantastic partner and supporter of ours for years but his Hit Barbecue Restaurant in Cleveland and Vegas features our Narnar in every single tray with his heavy smoked meats because it's a perfect way to not only digest it and keep folks coming back, the flavor cuts the heaviness and there's a great acidity and nice tartness. So it's definitely a fantastic way to, to do that. So you have sauerkraut, you have the dressings. Do you see Cleveland Kitchen getting into any other lines of food in the near future? Yeah, in our weekly management calls, we always play around with ideas and see where it makes sense for us to extend. Obviously, anything within fermented vegetables is on the table, and we're even getting a little more creative in terms of what we can do. So yeah, nothing that we're at liberty to share today, but there's definitely some excitement that's still happening in the kitchen, as it were. And uh, we're excited to keep building out this platform and to keep you know, making it easy for America to enjoy fermented foods. Well, perfectly understood that you want to reveal it at a later time, but we'll be glad to cover it on this podcast and in the blog when it is released. <laughs> you bet. You'll be the first to know, Eric. Do you see yourself also releasing additional sauerkraut flavors, going back to the basically original function of Cleveland kraut? Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, the farmer's market route to market does allow us to do is to act quick. And, you know, we love to get out there and forage for, say, ramps or use seasonal ingredients and include root vegetables tend to ferment really, really well and attain their crunch. We're known across the industry for having the crunchiest and freshest and best tasting kraut, but we love that crunch. What we're actually doing, and we'll get into this in a bit with the COVID push, but we've really developed our e-commerce channel and we'll be starting to release seasonal offerings to our key subscribers and top fans on a limited basis so we could do a seasonal item something along those lines and really ensure that we're capturing those trends and staying true to our market roots with fresh seasonal items. So as I talked about when I first introduced you, I've seen you at a lot of different shows. And obviously with the pandemic now, these shows have been canceled. So I want to know how in general, other than obviously there's not shows to introduce your products, how has it just changed your business overall? Definitely presented some challenges, but we've been able to really shift digitally. Uh, Obviously the March Expo West was going to be our big debut for Cleveland Kitchen and the Dressings, but we kind of quickly pivoted and filmed a buyer introduction that we sent to all of our buyers and scheduled Zoom has been a great resource for us and 
kind of doing digital presentations. We actually have our first UNFI uh, virtual trade show next week, which I'm excited to see how that goes. But we very much, you know, in terms of our messaging directly with buyers, have pivoted all that to running digital meetings. And honestly, although you know, you always want to be there and have the experience of a face-to-face meeting. It's we've done some great new item introductions, and I tend to be on the road quite a bit, so this has been a, a nice relief. But in terms of consumer, you know, we just made sure that we were focused doubling down and pivoting our trade and event. You know, we are a very experiential brand. We get out to Last year, we were at about 90% of all NFL tailgates across the country, and we just had uh, one of our team members running around with a cooler backpack. Anyone who was grilling out with friends at the tailgate, we drop a pouch and drop coupons and key markets, tell them where to go to find it. It's a really great way for us to engage with consumers, and of course, we love to demo and do things like markets and events. So pretty quickly, we pushed all that budget right into digital and made sure we were getting the message out working with a ton of influencers, ramping up our digital ads, uh, leveraging platforms like Picard uh, and Ibotta for product discovery. So it presented some challenges, but it was also a great opportunity for us to really shift into the next gear on our digital marketing plans. And then, like I said, we had kind of commerce to the back burner totally but this was a good kick in the butt to get everything up and optimized. And that should be uh, our dressing. Our crowd is available now. Our dressing should be launching on Ecom in July. So, yeah, I mean, not without its challenges, but I'm sure if you have been tracking groceries, definitely doing well. We've enjoyed some lift. We were quick to create content, both in the kitchen, sending some of our favorite chefs who were out of work. Uh, we'd send them product and pay them to do an at-home favorite recipe because, you know, everyone, at least for a couple months there, uh, and probably still, was kind of trapped at home and cooking more and more. So we saw that as a great opportunity to introduce our goods and create some fun and both indulgent and healthy recipes that they could try out. So we're enjoying the benefits of the pivot, and uh, I think you can't make diamonds without pressure. So we had to evolve. Yeah, it's clear that the grocery market and foods sold in supermarkets, that that type of business actually has, I'd say, benefited during the pandemic. Did you ever find an issue of being able to produce enough of the crowd and the dressings to meet people's needs? There was, first and foremost, I think a lot of us in the manufacturing industry, first and foremost, our team was our highest concern in keeping everyone healthy and happy. So you know, we quickly saw kind of the writing on the wall. Not only have we been tracking what was going on uh, internationally, but as soon as Expo West got canceled at the beginning of March, we said, okay, this is likely to spread. We didn't know it would be as widespread or lockdowns, but we prepared for the worst. And we immediately began putting our teams on social distancing, leveraging masks for them. We still obviously require masks out on the floor, no unnecessary handshaking or anything like that. And we do temperature tests at the beginning of every shift. And our workers really responded to that. And we also, you know, just to keep morale very high, we were doing things like we bring in a bunch of meat or for our vegan partners, like a Beyond every Friday. So we're sending them home with a couple of racks of ribs or Beyond burgers and just making sure, you know, that was one less thing that they had to worry about was feeding their family that weekend. So kudos to my brother and brother-in-law for really leading that on the operational front. And my team in sales and marketing was, we kind of went remote right away and, you know, it's been, it's been working quite well. So, and that allowed us to make sure everybody was staying and we're keeping up for production. It definitely, you know, we got slammed in March, definitely our biggest month to date. And April was no different. So things are 
settled down a bit in May and, you know, obviously with summer being a big season for us and, and grilling and all that, we're right back to cranking for June and July. So it, it definitely wasn't without its challenges. I've heard a number of people say that when going to order food online and shopping during the pandemic that sauerkraut has become harder to find. Do you think that that's one of the foods that's become more popular during the pandemic? I think a lot of folks were concerned about wellness and how they could boost their immune system. Uh, and through a healthy gut, you definitely improve and support your overall immune system. So folks were doing their research and finding out that, hey, sauerkraut fermented foods are quite good for you and I should be buying more of this. And they also, you know, trial was definitely happening at Shelf. Folks were looking for fresh vegetables that lasted for weeks in their fridge, their months and you know, a year in their fridge as they stocked up. So, you know, we had actually had a few press pieces come out about why you should be including Cleveland Crowd in your shopping list. And I think I read a few places that sauerkraut was up anywhere from 60 to 150% uh, throughout the pandemic. So, you know, it might be a function of more folks eating at home or um, seeking out those great health benefits and uh, also long-lasting fresh vegetables, as I mentioned. Yes. So they didn't end up doing the Expo West this year, and they just recently announced cancellation of the Expo East. But I remember a webinar of their State of the Union, which is usually what opens up the Natural Products Expo West, and they were talking about how they see because of this pandemic that this is going to be a big boost for the natural foods. A lot more people are going to be concerned about eating healthy foods, and that's going to give the overall banner of different natural food products a big boost. Yeah, and I think data's coming back from China that showed that big uptick during their lockdown, and it's actually been sustained. So folks with a kind of a health scare like this, it definitely brings things into light, and you know, you should be focusing on how to best optimize your health and, you know, not only to react to things, but to be very proactive and be the healthiest you can be. So I think natural foods were obviously ride a great wave and a benefit from that. So definitely. And being from Cleveland, like I said earlier, I love the name. I love that our city's name is on a natural product sold all over the country. Does putting Cleveland on your product's name have a special meaning to you? Yeah. I mean, just like you, I'm a Cleveland kid and grew up here and we're not always the most glamorous city in the press or sometimes looked over. We're definitely not a tier A city, but we're hoping to change that. And it's a great blue collar town, a lot of great folks here, and it's a fantastic city. for. So for us, it's a true statement of pride. And going back to our roots of where we come from, we're super proud to be adding 50 full-time jobs in downtown Cleveland and continuing to grow out our economy here and bringing a little good press to our city nationwide. So definitely a pride point for us. Yes. And I think that would be a great thing because obviously Cleveland's hit hard times. And I think the whole natural foods, because that is an industry that's growing, you see conventional supermarkets closing and new natural food stores opening up. So that's an industry that's obviously on its way up. And we do see a few other companies in Cleveland that are selling natural products. I think of Erie Bone Broth, Ganeden Probiotic, Chill Pops. So Do you think Cleveland is making a name for itself in the natural products world? Definitely. You've got folks like Randy's Pickles makes an excellent pickle. You've got the brothers at NUMA who are reimagining functional sports drinks, and they're doing a fantastic job. Like you said, Show Pops, a great team of wives who doing amazing flavor, taking the natural premium space by storm. It's definitely a point of pride. We won't call it the Cleveland Food Mafia, but we've <laughs> definitely got a group of great brands. A lot of us did start out of the Cleveland Culinary Launch Kitchen, now framed as the Central Kitchen, which is a great kind of co-working 
shared commercial kitchen that allows a lot of these upstart brands and things like a great farmer's market network that really allows these folks to emerge and start cranking. And there's Doozy Potts. Kristen, she's a former Ben & Jerry's food scientist, just released her own plant-based gelato that's excellent. And she actually moved back from London and previously New York City. So there are things happening in Cleveland. It's quite cheap to own a manufacturing facility comparatively. And we're seeing there's a lot of talent, a lot of pride, and a lot of great resources here. So we continue to propel the fact that we're a great city on a blue lake. You're talking earlier about how you've resumed business with doing things such as Zoom. And I've noticed that the Internet has been a big thing for promoting all of these different products when you can't do the shows and be out in person so much. And I mean, I've even noticed it kind of on my end because when I recently published my article about grass-fed jerky, I was amazed that more than ever, a lot of companies were seeing my article and approaching me. They just found it on a Google search or something. And I was like, wow. So it sounds to me like actually with this. So I think the internet's really becoming a bigger place of research for these kind of products. Yeah, we've got a captive audience who's at home and has the time and attention span to do their research. It's more important now than ever to understand what you're putting in your body. So, yeah, I mean, what we've seen is our social media has only become more important because so many folks are there and on top of it and looking for these great resources and recipes. So you're not wrong. I'd say activity online is higher than it's ever been. I think I read a statistic and was talking to my team at Walmart. Nick, he's a fantastic partner for us, but he mentioned their online grocery pickup is probably five years accelerated from where they wanted to be in three to five years is where they're at today. And Instacart's the same way. There's a point of time between March and April where not only were online grocery sales through the roof, but 40% of those customers reported that it was their very first time buying something online. So the level of comfort has dramatically increased in terms of purchasing food online. So I think we're only seeing that five years accelerated. So you're not wrong. It was the first time for me that I had ever purchased groceries online. I actually loved the idea of grocery shopping and being able to go into the store. Right. But at the beginning, due to safety, I felt like I needed to order online. Now, online shopping isn't so much about my concern to stay safe. But for me, grocery shopping isn't just going in and getting what I need, but a chance to explore and learn about new products. The problem is now the system works where you go in as fast as you can to get what you need, so then the others can get what they need once you walk through a specific aisle. So for that reason, I'm still using the delivery service. And that service is something I thought I'd never use. I remember when the internet was first getting big and I wondered who would actually want to use grocery delivery. The concept made no sense to me. But now I see a purpose of it. I'm even doing it myself. Still, I hope we get back to a point where we can go into a supermarket and take our time there instead of just going in to get what we need. I hope that this isn't the new normal for supermarkets. No, I'm the same way. I quite enjoy shopping and, and perusing the aisles and seeing new products. And it's definitely fun. I think uh, my girlfriend, Kate, she probably hates all of the shopping because I'm always checking on our set and looking at competitors and probably taking longer than normal. But I am confident we'll return to that. There's a lot of fun in picking out your ingredients, and especially with something like produce and meat. I think there's a level of comfort with being able to touch feel smell those things and uh, discover those new products. I think that's why a lot of these 
natural stores and more experiential stores are doing so well recently is because they bring all that. And, you know, Wegmans built its entire business in the last century on being that experiential grocer that it's a pleasure to go and shop there. There's samples everywhere. You're greeted by all this fresh prepared food. So I don't see that going away. I just think there's going to be more of a hybridization. To your point, you know, I'm 29 years old, but I'm not your typical millennial. I don't purchase groceries online. It's, again, for me as well, obviously being in the industry, it's something that I quite enjoy. Being a self-proclaimed foodie, I love to get out there and see ingredients and also, like you said, keep an eye on what's emerging and what's trending and who's the new brand on shelf. When you mention Wegmans, that brings back more great memories of when I was back in the East because I went to Ithaca College and Wegmans there was the way of shopping. And I completely understand what you mean about the experiential element of being in a Wegmans. (laughs) Yeah, and I think they'll figure their way out of it for now. But, you know, it's definitely a a challenge to those stores. Mm -hmm. Costco being similar, how are they going to get back to the treasure hunt, to the sample? That's half the fun of going to the sample. Of course, it's a great deal. And of course, they have excellent product. But bring the unwilling partner along just for the samples. And there is always that really fun brand discovery moment. So there's going to be a way where pressure and challenge always brings out innovation. But I'm confident and hopeful we'll get back there and hopefully it'll be soon. Me too. I like to think that with everything, I don't like these new normal terms. So whether it's shopping in the supermarket and being able to shop like we used to or restaurants being open at full capacity. I refuse to believe that any of it's going to be the new normal where restaurants will only be open at this 25%. I mean, I don't think that restaurants could survive if they did that. No, yeah, there's a lot of conversation about that. I think there'll be a lot more emergence of Cloud Kitchen that does focus on delivery. But at the same time, I mean, Cleveland did open back up. And I'll tell you, I wasn't sitting in there, but they're packed restaurants because folks are, and, you know, obviously I hope it's people who aren't at risk and, you know, they know what they're doing. All the staff members are masked up and keeping things very clean, but people want to be out. They want to be about, they want to interact with each other. And I think we'll get back to that place. If you look at what happened after the Spanish flu in 1918, we had the roaring 20s. Everybody was out partying, getting together. I think folks just want to interact. They want to be together. So we'll see. Right. Yeah. The Spanish flu is mentioned a lot. And I guess it kind of gets overlooked because it is before a lot of people right now are alive. So no one really knows what it's like to have gone through that. But good point you bring up about the Roaring Twenties, because I've been saying similar things of once this is over, businesses that weren't really able to operate during this time or operate at lesser capacity. Sadly, a lot of them will go under. But the thing is, then there's going to be a need for the newer things when we are at a safe place. And so there'll be a big boom. Oh, no, exactly. I think opportunistically, the young chef in a large city, she's always wanted to start her own restaurant. Coming out of this, there'll be a plethora of fantastic locations with fully built out kitchens for a fraction of the rent. And there'll be a great staff to service it. And there will be demand. I think that's the way we're built as humans. The reason that there are such a big population of quote-unquote foodies and because chefs are celebrities because food is such a great experience and pastime. And so I think we'll get there. And there's going to be a lot of opportunity. There will sadly be closings and people are having to pivot like crazy. I think Alinea, which is the number one restaurant in the country and sometimes the world a lot of years, posted their highest revenue 
stays throughout this because they quickly pivoted to a nice, reasonable price point, comfort food, and did it really well. And they know that as a fine dining establishment, they will be operating at lower capacity for a while, so they had to pivot. So again, this pressure is going to enforce innovation and the cream will rise, as always. And how do you see Cleveland Kitchen specifically benefiting from a post-pandemic boom? I think if everyone becomes their own home chef, home cooking is only going to increase. And then again, as we talked about before, an emphasis on, on health and proper diet will stick around. And the good thing about us is we make it damn tasty to do so. Another way that I could see your business booming is you talked a little bit earlier about how you are in some restaurants and salad bars and supermarkets. Like, for instance, you're in the wonderful Mabel's Barbecue in Cleveland. Do you see, as we talked about, unfortunately, some restaurants are going to go under, but there eventually will be new restaurants. So do you see, with new restaurants opening up, a way to really expand your presence in the restaurant industry? Yeah. I mean, for instance, when we never saw coming during a pandemic, we just launched Nationwide into Veggie Grill with their new vegan Reuben. So if you're listening, get out to a Veggie Grill. It's downright delicious. But I think there's going to be a lot more emphasis on grab and go. Whole Foods ran one of the largest restaurant chains in the country with their prepared foods. And folks are still going to look for those quick office lunches and they still want those fresh ingredients. So whether it's us positioning more grab-and-go opportunity, or working with new emerging chefs. I mean, that's definitely a big focus. Luckily for us, it was only about 5% of our business, and obviously that definitely went off a cliff at first here, but things are slowly getting back to pace, and we're only looking to increase that channel. So I think awareness and a pickup in sauerkraut at home is definitely good for menu placement and things like that. So I agree. In addition to Instacart and using the Amazon delivery to get Whole Foods delivered to my house, I have also been using these restaurant delivery services like Postmates and Grubhub, DoorDash. There's so many of them, and I'd never really used those before, so that's another thing that actually got me to use. And after this is over, that's actually something I could see myself using a little more than say, where I probably won't use Instacart or the Amazon delivery again. I mean, I would still probably go to pick up food if it's just for me, but I guess for me, Grubhub and DoorDash, sites like that, they work good when you have a large group that there's other types of food that deliver because typically in the past, delivery has been associated mainly just with pizza. Yeah, I mean, you definitely saw establishments that you were very comfortable with taking out or getting delivered doing great throughout the pandemic. But I think one of the interesting things that I've noticed, especially in my own habits, is I know the struggles that are going on with my favorite local restaurants. So we've made sure anytime we are eating out, I have not eaten from a chain since everything started. And we're making sure that we're being patrons to our favorite local restaurant and delivering and picking up as much as we possibly can. So I think there's definitely going to be a return to a focus on a local food scene for those that it's important to them to have that great kind of community of food. So I think it'll be interesting. But yeah, I mean, to your point, Grubhub just got gobbled up for $7.3 billion. There's a lot of consolidation and activity in that space, and it'll only increase. Yeah, it is very important to know to support local business and also support local farmers. For Cleveland Kitchen, do you do the best to make sure all the ingredients of it are locally sourced? Well, of course, all of our supplier partners and vendors are locally based. And then our cabbage comes from Ohio for the bulk of the year throughout harvest season. So we definitely do our best to support our local ecosystem. So, yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. So we're just about out of time. So before the listeners go, let them know the website where they can find Cleveland Kitchen. 
Yeah, absolutely. Check us out at www.clevelandkitchen.com and on social media at Cleveland Kitchen, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Check us out for some delicious inspiration. Mac, it's been a pleasure having you on the program. I always like to see Cleveland well represented, and Cleveland Kitchen is a great example of the city at its best. That's all for this episode of The Appropriate Omnivore. Follow me on social media for information on the next episode. And to make sure you never miss any of my podcasts, go to iTunes and subscribe to The Appropriate Omnivore. You can also listen to all of my podcasts on my website, appropriateomnivore.com. There you can find recipes from the guests I interview, plus all of my articles covering lifestyles in the world of real food. Until next time, my pantry is officially closed. 